0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
1: Nick, I'm sorry. I'm so- you know exactly I what I want oh no. you know I understand, but... Exactly I You know exactly I told you two times. I know. And then you still continue. I understand, if but you- he was just about Nick, to kick him for two seconds. Nick, no, no, no. no. Mate, that just cost us Nick, a rugby can championship. I see, yeah? Can I speak? I tell you you first because you are the captain. Yes, I tell to you ten. Then I, I, a warning him, I say if you don't play immediately, I will give a strum. So that's not fair what you did at the end. You you just run the time so and you know exactly if you think I'm not capable to give a strum and to turn over, you make a mistake. Yeah. So now you know it. That's- it is uh, 22 away from 8. We head to the uh, other side of the ditch, calling West Island. Pete Fairburn uh, joins us now. And Pete, of course, uh, you guys don't care about rugby, so you'll be wanting to talk AFL, no doubt.
0: <laughs> yeah, just bringing the, uh, the PTSD back from Thursday night, playing that little audio clip there, uh, Ricardo. Look, um, what an interesting few days. And, and and it's probably for the best that you didn't speak to me straight after full time of that match. But it, it's been a really interesting a few days to reflect on what occurred and to to try and take, I guess, a reasonable stance. But, yeah, there's no hiding the disappointment this side of the Tasman. Uh, Yeah, we do feel like we were robbed of a a test match, which, you know, we felt we did extraordinarily well to come back and be right on the cusp of winning.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think in a way it's done uh, Ian Foster a favour because otherwise the entire uh, conversation will be uh, about how did the All Blacks blow a 31-13 lead? I nearly went to bed at that point, Pete, because I thought it was done.
0: And, mate, understandable. Um, And, and, you know, what? conversely, I did hear someone say today maybe it's done the Wallabies a favour in the long term because it's helped keep Ian Foster in the job. So (laughs) it depends which side of the fence you sit on, where, where you look at that. But, look, I... I think although you, know, you let the bus settle and, and the, the anger dissipates and you remind yourself it's just a game, and it was a fantastic game of footy, right? Mm. Nearly a point a minute, great comebacks, two lead changes in the last five minutes. Um, it, it was real end-to-end stuff in a, a sold-out stadium in, a, in a, a city that isn't a traditional rugby city. So that was great to see. And there's so many more positives and negatives to take from the game. Um, but I, I thought the way Ian Foster conducted himself post-game was, was be unbecoming, um, you know, referring to a clear cut decision and and, and really, um, you know, trying to, to make out like it was a very straightforward thing that you'd expect to see happen on a rugby field when the majority of us have never seen anything like that happen before. I can understand people who point to the rule book. I can understand. I saw Mark Stafford on Twitter had broken down how long the Australians and or how long each each kick for touch had, had taken. Throughout the course of the match, um, you know clearly there was a lot of anger around um, you know, the incident that saw Darcy Swain yellow carded for the, for that that tackle or that clear out on Quintapaya. So all these different varying factors that contributed to to what was an amazing spectacle. I get all of that, and and I guess the frustration you know lies in the fact that you've got the ball, you know just about to drop onto the boot that you've got a situation where. The player seemed genuinely bewildered, Bernard Foley, that uh, he hadn't, he didn't understand that the pressure was on him at that second. He thought the time had been called off. Um, clearly, there were some issues for him being able to hear within the stadium, and it's one of those situations. I saw again, I saw something online. Um, you know, Nigel Owens said, "Look, by the letter of the law, great referee, of course. By the letter of the law, yes, he's he's called it as he's entitled to do." But I also saw somebody online makes the point that it's almost certain that if Nigel Owens had been in that exact same position. He would have stopped play, gone over, explained to the guy, you're being an absolute dimwit, let's carry on, this is not acceptable, put everyone on notice, crack on. Because at the end of the day, I didn't see a guy who was desperately trying to milk every second in the hope that it would bring full-time on quicker. I saw a guy who was trying to make sure he knew what he was doing in the high-pressure, high-tempo environment. Possibly didn't hear the call that clearly. And I just think it's a really unfortunate way to finish what was a gripping test match. I know your SMS machine's probably lighting up with people over there telling me to get over it, accept the result. Well, I've done that, right? I understand that the All Blacks won. I understand that it's, it's another year without the Bledislaw Cup. And this one's pretty painful. I understand that even had he kicked the ball into touch, there's every possibility, the way Flau had been throwing since he came on, that you guys steal the line-out, score in the corner anyway. Further to that, I understand that we've got to go over to Eden Park this week and win, which we haven't done in, in over 30 years. So I appreciate that You know, that moment didn't cost us from winning the Bledisloe Cup in, in those simple terms. But it was super disappointing and, and such a, a gutting way to, um, I guess, to, to finish what was such a gripping test match.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say all of that, Pete, because I thought, hand on heart, not, not wearing an all-black jersey or anything like that, Watching that, when Bernard Foley gets turned around and said, I didn't hear you, I was like, mate, you are taking the mick. Because the referee was stood the same distance away from him as he was from the rest of the Australian backline. The rest of the Australian backline heard it, and they were all yelling at him to kick it out. So I think he was taking the mick. I think he was deliberately trying to, trying to do that. Now, the fact that that call we've never seen made before, to make it for the very first time at that point in a match... It's, it's tough to take. I get all of that because it shouldn't have been, the, you know, but if it does draw a line under that behaviour and from now on that's what we're going to see, then I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, and look, I take that point as well and it's impossible for any of us to say, you know, you take Bernard Foley on his word when he says the next day I, I didn't hear it, there was a misunderstanding. I, I guess again, my, my theory is that this has not been a massive scourge on the game in, in the same way that say we look at um yeah you know, head high tackles or the same way that we look in the NRL at, you know all the controversy at the moment around players milking penalties yes we've been talking about ball in play yes we've been talking about too many scrum resets and stoppages and things like that but at no real point has it been a really common topic around rugby players are trying to delay play and time waste you know when they're kicking to touch at penalties, it just hasn't been a thing. So he might have he might have cured a an illness that hadn't even been diagnosed yet in, in theory. And um, as I say, we move on. Um, we take the positives out of it. There were a hell of a lot of positives for the Wallabies to take from the performance. Um, and, and we head over to Auckland this week with a little bit more fire in the belly. Um, I didn't love some of that audio of Nick White speaking to the referee. I think we were raised that the referee's decision is always right, and a certain point. Um, you know, you need to, to show a level of respect. As I say, I, I thought Ian Foster's carry on, or the way he spoke after the game was was pretty appalling. But that's kind of what we've come uh, become used to seeing from him. He doesn't necessarily carry himself in the same way as what we've traditionally seen from from All Blacks coaches and, and All Blacks personnel in the past. But Gee, it lights the lights fuse for a cracking match in
1: Auckland this weekend. It does, it does. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Looking forward to seeing what the All Blacks do personnel-wise. Sam Kane, David Harvey with the 10-day protocol won't play. So there are going to be some changes to the All Blacks. Uh, a lot of people over here very dirty about Darcy Swain. You mentioned that in passing. I do a show on a Sunday called The Rugby Run. Steve Devine, a former All Black halfback, was with me this week. He said, and we also had Simon Poydovin on, uh, former Wallaby uh, captain who who mentioned it, uh, said it was the the biggest piece of thuggery he's seen on a rugby field in four or five years because it was so deliberately trying to hurt an opponent. Uh, Where are you on it and how long do you think you will be gone for?
0: Yeah, look, I, I I can't disagree with that. It's really appalling. And, you know, you look at the fact that Quintipaya is going to be out for, what, a minimum of 12 weeks. Mm. You can make the argument that Darcy Swain shouldn't step on a rugby field until Quintipaya does. I mean, it, it goes completely against the moral compass of the game to target, um, you know, a, a defenseless player in that fashion. Really disappointing. We saw Darcy Swain, of course, get a red card during the England series for that headbutt on Johnny Hill in the first test and, All the, uh, you know, the defense was it was so uncharacteristic and he'd been baited into it and, and, you know, he'd never done anything like this before. Well, he's very quickly developing a bit of a rap sheet um, for for this type of of behavior that really lets his teammates down. I mean, he gets a red card there. It's pretty unlikely we're talking about the type of comeback that, that the Wallabies went on. So I look at the locking stocks. I think Darcy Swain's got to be very, very careful um, that he doesn't you know, find himself out of contention for a Rugby World Cup place. Yes, he does a lot of things right at set-piece. Yes, he's a promising young player, but you know, you look at Matt Phillip, Rob Liotta, uh, Nick Frost, Rory Arnold, Caden Neville, you've got five fantastic locks there. You've got Jed Holloway covering lock as well. It's not a fait accompli that, that, that Darcy Swain is in that Rugby World Cup squad. And right now, if I'm Dave Rennie, I'm having serious trust issues with Darcy Swain.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we uh, just had... Uh, Hamish who, uh who is not an Ian Foster fan to the point that he was barracking for the Wallabies on the weekend <laughs> on th- last Thursday, um, but even he said, uh, you know, Darcy Swain was just a walking red card. He was just giving away penalties all the time. He everything he did on the field that night was thuggish.
0: Yeah, and look, I'm, unfortunately, it's, it's a bit of a sign of um, condescendence, which might be well intended, but I've got a number of Kiwi mates that live over this way who've all said the same thing: we're cheering for cheering for the Wallabies until. Ian Foster gets the bump, so um, yeah, look, I, I, I was really unimpressed with Darcy fame, but as I say, I thought it was a, a, a fairly impressive wallaby performance outside of that, I, I thought that the back row, um, you know, the, the, the balance there seemed really spot on with Rob Liotta, Rob Valentini and Pete Samu, three guys born in, in Melbourne, by the way, which is, is pretty incredible, um, and really unfortunate to hear today that Rob has torn his Achilles, so he faces a, a big battle to be back for the Rugby World Cup, so thoughts are with Rob Leotta, but um, you know, I, I thought the front row. Um, I thought our guys took the points up front. I, I, I thought that um, you know clearly Bernard Foley um, hasn't lost um, you know some of his playmaking ability and his opportunity to um, to make that ten jersey his own. Um, you know, I, I think he did pretty well. And all of a sudden, you've got Noah Lallana trying to get back in the squad this week. Returns from HIA protocols. You've got Hunter Paisami back from HIA protocols. Well. Lalakai Feketi did very little wrong in that 12 jersey. Andrew Kellaway, the fire at fullback. Wasn't he fantastic? So, as I say, lots of green shoots. What we've got to do is back it up. We haven't done that at all this year. You guys haven't either. If we look at that as your down week and our up week last week, then this could be dangerous over in Auckland. So, I want to see as much continuity as we can in that Wallaby team selection. Hopefully, James Slipper will be okay to play through the old man's calf injury. But I believe... Uh, Angus Bell is back in the mix who who really excites us who are fans of the dark arts of the scrum so hopefully we see minimal changes and only those injury enforced ones for the Wallabies and we go over there and give it a real crack in your neck of the woods
1: Yeah good stuff Pete All right, mate always good to catch up with you we'll uh, talk again next week and we'll uh, maybe talk some NRL and AFL as well Pete Fairbairn with us